You're listening to the Binge Media Podcast Network on BingeMedia.net. And now, the Binge Aftertaste. I live my life a quarter mile at a time. Nothing else matters, not the mortgage, not the store, not my team and all their bullshit. For those 10 seconds or less, I'm free. Gear up, bingers. It's time for the binge movie aftertaste. Fast and Furious Retrospective. Are you serious right now? Join Matt, Garrett, and Alex as they race through the entire franchise dedicated to fast cars and furious action. Stay the fuck out of my way. Where does each host come down on the series as a whole? Would you believe I knocked him out with my charm? You need that charming bitch. How has this franchise lasted this goddamn long? I need a refill. This is serious stuff. Will the hosts hate each other like The Rock and Vin Diesel by this retrospective's end? Sounds like a marriage. Yeah, but with cars, when you trade up, they don't take half your shit. Find out the answers to these questions and a whole lot more. All coming up, courtesy of Binge Media. Ow! I smell skanks. The Fate of the Furious, released April 14th, 2017, budget was $250 million, with a box office gross of $1.2 billion, and this was directed by F. Gary Gray. Wait a minute, did you say billion? Billion. $1.2 billion. Wow. Well, second so they proved that Furious 7 was not an anomaly. As far as crossing the billion threshold. Yeah, second film in a row. Unbelievable. Speaking of unbelievable, it only took four movies for the animosity between Vin Diesel and Dwayne Johnson to really manifest. Because this is the one where you really started to hear all the stories about these two guys not getting along and it possibly Uh impacting the finished product. Yeah, I I remember this very well. Didn't it start... Well, I know when it started on this set, but didn't it start as a tweet? Didn't The Rock tweet something and then they just kind of go start going back and forth? This is when all those articles started. Yeah, I, I never got into the nitty gritty of what started the beef, why it was a beef to begin with, and just the, how this carried over from basically five, right? I have theories about it, but we'll get there when we get to the scene. It's all kind of conjecture. I think it was just escalation of, you know, The Rock is kind of the... He's the outsider. You know, he was the one who wanted these productions to be professional. He would go after people who disrespected the crew. He'd go after anybody who didn't treat it like it was an actual job. Whereas I think Vin Diesel and company have seen this as just like the Oceans movies getting together and just having fun. And also The Rock, Dwayne Johnson, whatever you want to call him. He's always had self-awareness, which Vin Diesel clearly does not, as we have discussed, for what will be the eighth movie in a row. There's only so much you can beat that dead horse. But unfortunately, death meant that Paul Walker's character was not going to be in the movie whatsoever. They had talked about using his younger brother Cody as a literal recast or just being a new character. But then 
what's the guy's name? Something Moritz. Oh, the producer, Neil Morris. He said uh, that Brian was not going to be in the movie at all. Another person who was left on the outs was Lucas Black. He said he was coming back for this one, but he had some scheduling conflicts with NCIS New Orleans, so he had to withdraw his participation pretty much right before they started shooting. So again, just when you think this guy's going to catch his break and really come back... Uh, I guess, you know, those TV contracts are hard to get out of. Oh, I mean, and they're yeah, a steady, that... steady paycheck, too. So <laughs> I, I don't blame them whatsoever. Yeah, no shit. That's true, too. That was my question, because there are moments of this movie where I was like, Lucas Black would fit, I don't know if it'd be perfectly, but mm-hmm. a lot more chemistry than what we get. The other big question was, could they duplicate the success of Furious 7? Obviously, the back office numbers I just toted prove that, but... There was a lot of hype around this one, too, because of the trailer. The first trailer that came out where they show Dom turning against the team, which at the very least presented a new direction for the series to take. Regardless of how it was going to work out, it made me excited. But it also reflected the idea of the real-life animosity between The Rock and Vin Diesel. Like, they are going to be on opposite ends, not just in real life, but also in the movie, too. Because if you notice, they don't share hardly any scenes together yeah yeah and i bet they they have they have like one phone call where you can tell that you know, knowing all the backstory yeah they weren't talking to each other on that one f gary gray had a lot of maneuvering around to do with this <laughs> that phone call I, i'm just imagining him saying all right don't be mad i'm just gonna be, pretend to be him here for like five minutes so <laughs> answer how you can it um, makes more sense because that phone call is like Oh, hey, Hobbs. Oh, hey, Dom. It's just really good-natured and <laughs> very yeah. light. Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, he's the director of Friday, <clears throat> so he probably kept it pretty good-natured. Mm-hmm. Speaking of Friday, F. Gary Gray had worked with Vin Diesel before. They did a little movie called A Man Apart, oh, right, which yeah. Yeah. was the one where he hunted down like a drug dealer and killed his wife. Mm-hmm. Not a good and movie. He, and he worked <laughs> with The Rock, too. He has a lot of connections on this thing. He, he did Be Cool. Yep. Well, less said about that, the better. Yeah, Yeah, less said about that, the better. But F. Gary Gray, interesting choice. I thought about this. James Wan never said anything in the lead up to this as to why he turned it down. But would you guys agree that maybe the trauma associated with the post-production of that film and the way he had to work Paul Walker into the movie had a lot to do with why he's not coming back? Because, I I mean, if if I were in his shoes and this was my first big, big production and I went through all of that just to get it, in theaters, I I don't know if I would want to come back. That's that's yeah yeah that's a good point. I didn't even think about that, but you're right. I mean, he's basically coming on gun for hire director style and thinks he's coming into a, an established franchise with a expansive cast, a lot of toys to play with, and you know he winds up dealing with this. Having to Gary, you've been there. I mean, after production is done, I mean, it's not like the work stops. I mean, no, it's not, not not even to talk yeah. about like the post production process. Now you got publicity, you got all these interviews you got to do, uh-huh. and then these movies, like we just talked about, they make so much fucking money that every outlet is going to be asking about the same thing for months, mm-hmm. and you're going to have to answer the same thing. So I, yeah, I can kind of see that happening. While editing a film together, you've noticed moments where it's like, shit, I need to put this here, and you have to call the actors back to get them together and they're not always easy to get a hold of they're not always easy to get on set and i'm sure there were insert shots that he had to do for that movie and probably some insert shots with paul walker and he had to call his brother up i could not imagine stepping back on set plus i mean let's face it there's really been nothing other than from some people about 
Vin Diesel, but it can't be fun to be around that guy for yeah, 18, like 19 it. hours a day. So I don't blame him for not wanting to come back, but I will say this, preview my thoughts, I miss his touch. Mm-hmm. To be honest, there's a lot of stuff I miss from the previous movies, which we'll talk about. The biggest one, I think this movie proves how important Brian is to the dynamic of these movies. Yeah, yeah, you kind you kind of miss him in the mix of everything. I mean, a lot of times he's the voice of reason. He's definitely the first person to get his ass kicked before Daddy Dom comes and saves him. That, that's happened in a few movies already. So yeah, yeah, his his presence is definitely missed. I'm not going to come on here and say that I missed Paul Walker in this series. I, I won't do it. They try inserting some other people, which we'll talk about. But oh, what God. I will say is the chemistry is missing, and that was a big part of a little bit of hint that why the movies kind of worked but yeah the chemistry that he brought isn't here but i'm not going to say i miss having him here for no, the record i've said that already go back and listen to the tokyo drift review <laughs> yeah yeah you have but i'm just kind of reiterating <clears throat> it right here i look it's a tragedy i feel bad for his family i feel bad for everything that happened to him but at the same time i'm not going to say i miss him being in these movies one thing that's not silent is the opening of this movie tells you it's a fast and furious movie i think this is the quickest one since Maybe the first one in the history where the opening scene is a race. Yeah. Granted, it is a ridiculous fucking way to orchestrate a race, much like Tokyo Drift, where it's all about high school male machismo. We got Dom and Letty on their honeymoon. You know, they're in Havana because the movie has to spell out that it's Cuba because God (laughs) knows there's no other Havana. But they're basically, you know, they're enjoying life. He's, you know, he's got his life back. He's not on the run anymore. But because, let's not forget, What's this franchise about, boys? Family. Family. His cousin got into some shit with the local street racer over there. He realizes he's a loan shark. So he flat out tells him, why don't we race? You know, I'll put up my cousin's piece of shit, basically. It's like a lemon almost. Like I said, these movies are all about family. And this is kind of taking Dom back to his roots of kind of where he's at in the first movie, where he just does the street racing to win and to flat out embarrass other people. And this wasn't like New Orleans dressed up. This isn't East L.A. dressed up. They actually did go to Cuba to do this. Obviously, in Cuba, there's even more chicks with booty shorts than in mm-hmm. L.A. Yeah. Uh, but uh, <laughs> Matt, we talked about with the Bond series. Like This is globetrotting, where we're going from place to place to place, and you're going to see a lot of the, the scenery and everything, take everything in. So I do respect that they actually did go to Cuba. I'm not sure if I like this race, and I don't know if I like the line where Vin Diesel says, it's not about who's under the hood, it's who's behind the wheel. Oh, come on, dude, it's completely That's utter everything. bullshit, if you know anything about yeah. ve- vehicular uh, yeah. mechanics. The small amount of things I know about cars, I know that that's not true. Uh, also, so, yeah, okay. it completely negates everything he said in Absolutely. the past fucking seven movies, which is... Mm-hmm. And it's unforgivable, because it is literally the same writer the entire time, so... Zero. Matt, you keep telling me they're gonna get this guy off this fucking. When is he not gonna write one of these goddamn movies? He's on the next every one. He, one. Uh, number nine. He is not doing whatsoever. Oh, thank Christ! Because my God, because he's doing. He did the spinoff. He did Hobbs and Shaw. Although that one had oh. a co-writer. Okay, this guy just his writing. I don't know if it's because of the he goes on this set where they change things up and he actually can't write well but there's nothing that he's written i don't like his writing at all like you don't connect point a's to points b mm-hmm. the way he does in these movies there, there's no connection this is six seven movies now where his writing is i've hated every single word he's written so i'm glad you mentioned james bond because i want you to save that for a certain oh, yeah. 30 minutes 
portion of this movie. Oh, it's in my but notes I'm, too. Yeah, but I'm, I'm glad you put that out there. But so you know, we get a race, and if you thought absurdity of the way that Dom is able to always win these races, it's like, oh, he's really the better racer. He defies all logic because his car literally catches on fire at one point. The engine yeah. combusts. Yeah. And he's not burned whatsoever. It's like he's got the fucking air conditioner on. He's like, oh, it doesn't bother me. Like, there's clearly smoke and flame in his fucking <laughs> dashboard. And he's driving around. He turns the car over backwards, wins backwards. They do the stupid slow-mo shot of him winning. Of course. And then the car flips like ten times in the air and falls into the fucking ocean. To and he's totally okay, unfazed. Like he might as well be Captain Latin America at this point in Cuba. Yeah, and received <laughs> by cheers by everybody in yes. attendance. Yeah. And they they just love this whole thing. Also, not the first time in this film that we'll see a character driving while the car's on fire. Let alone Dom. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Th- this whole thing is just fucking stupid and ridiculous. The the motorcycles cutting off traffic because for some reason seven movies later they're like oh. Right, there's traffic. Let's address that. <laughs> just really dumb. And then the, the one thing I did kind of like is, and it's just more just more of a visual thing, is the engine going red hot mm. as it's leading up to it catching completely on fire. For some reason, it, it just kind of tickled my fancy. I really, really dug that part of it. Yeah, that, the only thing. The only thing. Yeah, I got <laughs> Ghost Rider vibes watching yeah. this. <laughs> With those tires on fire. Yep, Dom Rider. <laughs> Don't give him any ideas, please. <laughs> they already put these movies back out in theaters because of us, by the way. But let's That's make that true. emphatically That's clear. True. That's true. Yeah. So we get the title card, which I'm going to say this is the worst title of all of them. It's horrible. It's so bad. Just call it Fast 8. Like, why call does it have fate? to be? Well, call it Fate. Just put an F at the beginning of the word 8. Yeah. Um, or put an 8 in between, uh, in, in, in place yeah. of the A. They, I mean, they've done ah, this there kind you of go. thing. They've done this kind of thing before. I know what they're going. Eight Fate of the Furious. You're right, Matt. Just one of the fucking dumbest names. Also, um, they doubled down on it because that's always a good idea. You know, when you, when you have a bad <laughs> idea, you just fucking double down on it. You know, stubbornness is always shown to be a uh, a virtue. They doubled down on it and then continue this whole line with Cipher. And I, I know I'm getting a little ahead of myself with the whole fake conversation, which makes zero sense. Yeah, I don't know if the title was written before that monologue or the monologue was said, and they're like, ah, that's what we'll call this movie. But it does have that hint of it. You know, it it brings the question, though, you know, after the huge ending that we had last movie, the huge emotional goodbye that we said to Paul Walker at the end of that movie, how do you follow that up? Yeah. You follow it up by trying to go to the roots. You're giving it a different flavor. This doesn't feel like a movie, I don't know. I don't want to say in the same universe, but it just it, it just feels off to go from that emotional ending to this. Yeah, it's almost like uh, they watched the previous movies and were like, "Oh, we'll do." Mm-hmm. <laughs> like he's not even the same character, but exactly. he's still like he's he is the the fanboy, you know, the the mysterious bleached tips hair fanboy all swollen everything who loves these movies, yeah. who loves going out on Fridays and showing up with their cars and everything. It seems like Dom is this character and is just trying to carry the torch somehow. Absolutely. That monologue that you're talking about just feels like a bullshit way to add to the mythos of Dominic Toretto. He's almost like, I say Captain Latin America as a joke, partially, because they're trying to build him up like he's a superhero. 
for sure. And you said it, Matt. You said at the beginning of this podcast, he doesn't have Brian to bounce off of anymore. So this is his movie. Yeah, he doesn't have a lot of people to bounce off of because he's isolated yeah. from the team for most of the movie. Yeah, he's gone rogue. So this is basically Triple X3 is what it comes down to. And God knows that second movie that he was in, I guess they call it, call it the second, even though X-Cube was real second movie, but it didn't work. And preview my thoughts, this doesn't work either. The way he's integrated into this and the way he's pulled into this, mm-hmm. none of it, God damn it, I keep saying it every fucking Fast and Furious podcast, none of it makes any sense. Yeah, but this one, in this case particularly, Garrett, is really, really bad. I mean, it just really makes no sense. I, I watched it three times this past week, and I'm like, I don't fucking understand what's going on. I don't understand why they're doing I'll this. I'll say this. <laughs> why am I wasting my life? Uh, <laughs> I'll say this. I don't think it's, you know, you, you guys are calling out the ridiculousness of the plot already. I don't think it's any more ridiculous than what we've had for the majority of these films. Sure. Almost all of these movies. I don't think it's going way far off than what I've been complaining about for eight straight podcasts. It's just the way Vin Diesel is playing this and the way they have to write around the feud on this set and everything else. It just it comes off as lazy, quite frankly. It comes off lazy because I think they they basically did an inverse of Letty's storyline when she gets amnesia because uh-huh. Dom, we've been we've been calling him uh, because you know me and my wife watched this we've been calling him Dombey like he's a fucking he's a zombie <laughs> he has zero recollection of his previous life he's just going through the motions he's no feelings doesn't care about his quote unquote family and all that shit he he's just going through the motions and the reason why is a double edged sword because and I know we're getting way far ahead. Matt, so I apologize. But it's a double-edged sword because on the one hand, it, it doesn't make any sense. But on the other hand, we get rid of a certain character who... Fate of the Furious is kind of a... Uh, it's a blind spot for me. I don't really remember this movie until I watched it. And I was like, oh, right. I remember all these beats. But while watching the opening credits, I saw Elsa Pataki and I'm like, again? Again she's in this? What the fuck? Don't, don't get me wrong. I like looking at her, and, but she's not the best actress, and she doesn't have the best role for three movies. Yeah, I, I have words when we get to that. I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll say that. But okay. So getting back to the actual plot of this movie, as in sequential <laughs> order, because we're all over the fucking place, but sure so, is this, so is this movie, to be perfectly Absolutely. honest. Like, I will say this. This was not the movie I expected when I walked into that theater. Oh, this, is a, this it, is a theater watch for you. Oh, yeah. This one I saw in the theater. Nice. So I'm sitting there, you know, Dom and Letty, they're seemingly enjoying life when uh, John Travolta from Battlefield Earth, I'm sorry, that Charlize Theron shows up with John Travolta's (laughs) hair from Battlefield Earth. (laughs) Garrett, we were calling her the, uh, or I was calling her the, uh, the, she looks like one of the twins from uh, Matrix Reloaded. (laughs) Oh, Jesus. Beautiful. Yeah, she's one of the ghost twins. Yeah. Charlie Theron. Matt, this is the first time we've ever reviewed her, correct? Most likely, yes. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I'd, I'd have to think, because I don't think... Not a lot of franchises, I don't think. No, no, no well, that's a good point. I have a lot of respect for Charlie Theron, and mm-hmm. if people don't know her backstory, it's worth going into, because she really did have a traumatic oh, yeah. beginning to, to her life. She really did, and for her to pick herself up, go be a model... She was the chick in Two Days in the Valley. Not really that big of a part, but she just she lingered around. She won an Oscar. She has made herself into a very powerful entity in Hollywood, and that is a remarkable feat. Mm-hmm. I want to say something about her that I said about 
Sean Connery in one of the Bond movies that we did. Once again, bringing back that retrospective. Good thing there are a lot of phones on this set. Otherwise, she wouldn't have been able to get through it. I think she is phoning this fucking performance in. I do not like her in this movie. I don't like her plot. I don't believe any part of her plot. And I did read in press leading up to this that she said, oh, yeah, well, it was easy to do because I was able to have my kids watched and do a big movie at the same time. Honey, you did it for the paycheck. I, I don't like this movie at all. I really don't. Here's my my rationale. For the record, we have not, although you did review her in Prometheus when you did the Alien. Oh, that's right. Oh, that's right. okay. Yeah. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, if we do Mad Max at some point, I'm sure we'll we'll talk oh, about that's her there. A series, that's a series that's already on the calendar for next year. Which, which for the record, it. I think that's the only reason she's in this movie is because Absolutely. Universal said, go get her because of Fury Road. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's running a wave at this point. Yeah. yeah, and I think you're absolutely right. She phones she phones this in. It's that same monotone, just blank stare. Mm-hmm. She's basically doing Kristen Stewart from Twilight. <laughs> it's that kind of just lifeless performance. And I don't know if that was her choice. I don't know if she's directed that way because I have a lot of issues with Gary Gray's directing in this movie. Mm-hmm. Not just in these dialogues, even the way he shoots action. I just think he... The biggest movie he had done up to this point was the Italian Job remake, which I do like quite a bit. And he's got a quarter of the cast in this movie with Charlize Theron and Jason Statham. Mm-hmm. So I think he felt comfortable with working with them at least, but... You know what it is with him too? One, he was he was riding a wave as well because there was Oscar buzz surrounding Straight Outta Compton. That was his as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and he has he does have a reputation for putting together good chemistry on screen. So I do see why you get him for that reason. I do not see why you get him for your big action template because uh, you're right, Matt. I, I think the actions, it's competent action. It's well-staged action, but I'm not getting an adrenaline rush from his directing at all. And I, I said a lot of bad things about Justin Lin, especially in that sixth movie. But one thing you can't say is it, it, with the exception of that sixth movie, his action scenes definitely get you adrenalized. I don't feel adrenalized by his directing here. I don't feel pumped up while I'm watching this movie. And that's what you watch a Fast and Furious movie for. So, yeah, I have a lot of issues with this directing as well. So, Charlie Theron shows up, talks to Dom, basically says, plays it off as, oh, my car broke down. Can you help me? And she's like, oh, by the way, how's your honeymoon going? So, it's clear she knows who he is. And she is the, what, what's the nicest way I could say this? She is a Bond villain. If Jason Statham was the odd job, she is the, like, Elliot Carver of this franchise from tomorrow never dies where she is like the Mm. master of technology and she shows dom something on the on her phone that we cannot see that kind of makes him grimace at least as much as vin diesel can given his (laughs) quote-unquote range and she says we'll be in touch so it's clear she has some dirt on him in some capacity which i will give the movie it made me theorize what was on that phone, and I thought to myself, "Oh, it's got to be the video of him selling street sharks." Yeah, that was my that was my <laughs> line as well. It was either that or the breakdancing video he has on uh, YouTube. Go check that out, people. It's really it's really worth checking out. Yeah, she. <laughs> yeah, they, they. I love the line they drop about her as well, where they say, "Oh, she's so dangerous, even anonymous won't go near her." It's like, come on. <laughs> Really? Of, of all the movies to say that yeah. you think anonymous are a bunch of pussies like, <laughs> like weirdly, slow your roll people and weirdly enough my i i was kind of going into the beginning of this film like oh this is kind of weird like dom is well, vin diesel himself is like seems a lot more talkative and then my wife brought it up like i think he finally got some like vocal acting lessons or something because he talks a lot yeah. During this first part of the movie, 
I mean, even speaking Spanish, it's like, holy shit. Uh-huh. Vin Diesel, like, let's slow down. You know, he seemed like, you know, they'll protest too much kind of thing. Speaking of under protest, a lot of fans were disappointed that The Rock didn't have a lot of screen time in number seven because of scheduling conflicts. We get Hobbs pretty early here reintroduced. What's he doing? No, he's not working in the field. He's coaching his daughter's soccer team. Yeah, he's auditioning for the Ladybugs remake is what he's doing. What, what the fuck yes. is he doing this? Absolutely. <laughs> this is the movie he would have made in like the mid-2000s during his Disney phase. Yeah, like absolutely. The ro- I'm like, oh my God, is this a sequel to the game plan? And I know we just reviewed that seventh movie last week. But I completely forgot he had a daughter. They showed the daughter. I'm like, oh, that's right. Mm -hmm. He's coaching this team because his daughter's a member of the team. Yeah, this definitely seems more of what F. Gary Gray is uh, comfortable in. These kind of scenes, because there's a bunch of them in in this film. You know, we get a lot of uh, Hobbs and Shaw talk, cross talk. You know, them just kind of beefing and then just getting together and talking. There's just, there's a lot of slower moments and, and... well, because it's a Fast and Furious movie. But it, there's a lot of slower moments where there's a lot of, there's dialogue, but there's banter. And that seems more like F. Gary Gray's style, which, yeah. you know, I, I it's fine because it seems like it's more him. I don't know if it works for the whole thing. I don't know if he's seen any Fast and Furious movie leading up to this because it seems very out of character. Yeah. And I, I also want to say, too, I know there's a fuck dropped in this movie, but is it just me, guys, or does this feel like the most... PG yes. of the Fast and Furious films. My biggest you problem know, with it. Yeah. It, yeah. It started off as, you know, a, a nitty gritty little action film and we've we've carried on. We've gotten to the point where we are. Right now it just it has more of that PG feel. And I don't mm-hmm. know if I like that as totally agree. This movie has no teeth. I think that's yes. my under Yeah. It's my it's my underwriting thesis when I go into my final thoughts is that there's no edge to it. Everything feels very sanitized, even though people die, because spoiler alert. You can't have these many vehicular incidents and not kill people. But Mm -hmm. it's never the main characters. It's always the henchmen who get horrible deaths. Or God knows when we get to the climax of this movie, how many people must have died. But the main characters, the rock in this movie is literally bulletproof. Well, he can flex and break a cast, Matt. I mean, oh, that's that's true. But that's still one of the greatest moments in cinema history. I can forget that. That's true. So Hobbs gets this. uh, I love how the agent just shows up at the soccer game with. With official government documentation in public, anybody can see what's what's on that tablet. And he's showing them like it's basically the fucking GoldenEye satellite thereafter, where it wipes out everyone's technology. God, I'm starting to think Pierce Brosnan might be the big villain that's behind Charlize Theron. That's going to be the big reveal at number ten. And Matt, didn't we just review a movie with somebody named Cipher? By the way. We just reviewed After Earth, and here's another movie. Oh, Jesus Christ. Cypher. Oh, there's a Cypher in the Matrix. There's a, yeah, the Cypher oh, yeah. is like the go-to yeah, fucking that's, name. That's the, like This movie feels so 90s, because this feels like it was made during the period where people didn't realize the shit that computers could actually do. Yeah. Uh-huh. Where, where it's like she's got superpowers, basically. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, science doesn't work like that. Hobbs gets the crew together, which is also weird. And this is one of the biggest problems with this Dom turning on them. Why would you drop that before the actual heist? Why not have it be shocking to the audience that he knocks Hobbs off the fucking road? Because all the suspense now is gone because we know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Well, there is no suspense in this movie. We're going to see Helen Mirren later on. And there's no secret as to who she is. There's no big reveal like, oh, shit, like, 
you know, I, I said some bad things about the Letty situation from a couple films ago. Mm-hmm. But I'll say, you know, the setup of it, oh shit, she's still alive? I thought that was a nice little stinger to set us up for the next film. There's nothing here that you can't see coming down the street already. And that's another thing about the Fast and Furious movies that was a staple of it. These big reveals, these big mm-hmm. soapy, soap opera type reveals. And you see everything coming down the street in this movie. Yeah, and getting there too is a really, maybe not so much tense, but there is a forward momentum to it. Whereas in, in this film, it just seems like they're just going through the motions. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like a lot of this, they could have called this movie Fast 8 Contract Negotiations. Because it feels like everybody's fighting for screen time. Everybody's yep. fighting to be relevant. And that's why the buildup to this heist, which is normally a big component of especially 5 and 6, more so 5, we just see the end result where they've already got the EMP device and they're leaving. Mm-hmm. I do appreciate the brought Ramsey back. I thought she was going to be a one-and-done character. Because yeah. God knows these movies don't do the best with female representation outside right. of Letty. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm glad they kept her around. But, but at I, points, the movie forgets that, hey, they have a hacker as well on their team. Dude, I was just going to say that because it made so much sense in the last movie, in, in Furious 7, to have her. She's a hacker. You know, she's very much a utility for the family or whatever. In this film, she is relegated to just the hot chick. Because yeah. it's like, oh, they, they go to her a couple of times, and she's like, oh, yeah, blah, 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 technical stuff. And then it's just back to Roman and Tej hitting on her, trying to get in her pants. It's just like, all right, mm-hmm. come on. Yeah. But they don't use her like you're, like you're saying. They don't really use her in the way that, that we, we've been introduced her as a hacker. And the rest of this team, they're not completely useless. Tej uses a literal wrecking ball. To presumably kill at least, that's got to be five deaths right there. Oh, I kind of like that scene, too. <laughs> I thought that was pretty cool. I was it's like, okay, cool. yeah, I'll give it this. I've never seen that before. <laughs> yeah. we, so I guess we, the one we, thing I'll say about these movies, even if they're worst, they'll do something where it's like, how has nobody thought of that before? Yeah, we were all Roman in the car, just staring at the ball going by, <laughs> just wrecking shit. Yeah. I'll say this, you know, I've said a lot of bad things about this movie, but it took four movies with them, boys, but Roman finally made me laugh. In this movie. Oh, okay. He, when he's mocking Scott Eastwood adjusting his tie. That works, it dude. got a chuckle. Dude, it, wor- yeah, it, it works. I, I totally agree with you. Well, that's great I, because I don't think he was doing that in character. I just think they all think Scott Eastwood's a dumb motherfucker. It just <laughs> seems that way. And just, and just mess with him. Because I, I know friends. I know guys who interviewed him for Fresh Junkets and stuff. The guy's apparently as dumb as... Vin See, Diesel? I'm so dumb. I can't even think of an analogy. Vin Diesel? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's as dumb as a pile of rocks. I'll say that. Apparently, I'm, well, same thing with Vin Diesel. It does. It does. It does take a little bit of smarts to be worth two hundred million dollars. So, I, yes, yeah, I, I, I do have a little bit of respect for the man in that regard. But so, just as they're escaping, Dom runs Hobbs off the road into a spectacular car crash that does not kill him. Although he did flex out of a cast, so. Apparently, his bones know better than to break because they know he'll get angry. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. No Correct. compound fractures here. Those bones know where to stay. Yeah. And that dashboard is, like, caved in. Like, he is screwed in that fucking situation. Mm-hmm. But, nope, The Rock is able to get out of it. Yeah, he just gave it the people's elbow with the door open. <laughs> Garrett, you're totally right. I just keep on thinking, and it didn't occur to me until you said something, 
that they completely fucked up the sequence yeah. of events. It's way more impactful if afterwards you figure out that Dom is fucking turned. Yes. That it's mm-hmm. so much more impactful. Mm-hmm. Now, does that make a greater movie? I don't I don't think it does, but that it's that's at least builds up the tension for a bit. I mean, what the fuck? Mm-hmm. Speaking of what the fuck, when I saw this runway in the car going to the back, I was like, oh no, is this gonna be thirty-five fucking miles long too? <laughs> <laughs> Thankfully, it's not. He just gets in the car and escapes. Everyone's kind of in shock, although you wouldn't know it because they start cracking jokes two minutes later. So the weight of this betrayal, the characters don't treat it seriously. So why should we as the audience take it seriously? That's a really good point. Great point. And I have gotten on the series about its self-seriousness. But of all moments to be serious, this would be the time, oh shit, what's going on with Dom? Yeah, you're right. The very next scene, they're cracking jokes. (laughs) What the fuck? And you have Kurt Russell showing up on set. I guess he had some breaks in between Guardians 2. And he's showing up with the Michael Douglas from Wall Street haircut. He shows up for like three lines and then he's gone. And then he shows up for three lines and then he's gone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's, he, he had that hair in the last movie. That's true. He, he, he's basically uh, just the introduction for the Scott Eastwood character. On the note of Kurt Russell, Mr. Nobody is reintroduced as Hobbs is about to go to prison because they think he you know, orchestrated this heist, but he stopped. And there's a lot of cliches in this movie, but they're even doing cliches that they've already done in this movie. Cause we had Brian go to prison in the sixth one yes. under false pretense to get information. So they're doing the same thing here with Hobbs. And I laugh. They do the shot of him walking down the hallway and it's like the rock cannot put his arms down. He's like clotheslining people as he's walking and all these dumb criminals yelling, I'm going to get you cop. I'm like, no, you're not. And the Scott Wiggum or the uh, Scott Eastwood character is basically the Shea Wiggum character from a couple of movies before too. Yeah, where oh, he, he, yeah. he's just yeah he's just the guy that Brian hits. You know, they, he's just the fall guy. He's the goof. They just expanded the character, give him more screen time, more more things to do instead of just get beat up by Brian. Although Garrett, this is we've reviewed more Scott Eastwood movies than we have Charlize Theron movies. Oh wow, we we need to change that. Yes, that's, because we, you made me watch Texas Chainsaw 3D. Oh, that's right. I forgot <laughs> that he was in that. Fuck. All right, Alex, it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be on the schedule. We're, do, we're doing a time <laughs> for him this week. Fuck it. Okay. Yes. <laughs> so they tell Hobbs, basically, you got to go in there or you can help us take down Dom and company. He's like, I'll oh, think about it. So he goes into prison, and this is the same security prison that has Deckard Shaw. Even though we were led to assume Shaw was in, like, solitary confinement at the end of the seventh one. Yeah. Doesn't Shaw have, like, a throwaway line of, like, I hope you got a fucking something to dig out of here. And he's just No, like, the, rock te- the Rock tells him that. He's like, you know, as soon as you dig out of here, my foot's going to be up your ass waiting for you or something. From the last movie, right? Right. But mm-hmm. in this movie, Shaw says something about it, too. He's like, oh, you know, you think you can get out of here. I can't get out of here. Blah, blah, blah. You know, whatever shitty dialogue there is. Because <laughs> I thought the same thing. I'm like, why are these guys in a prison with all these other dudes? Yeah, it's like, yeah, they're isolated in this one cube. But that's not mm-hmm. what the seventh movie fucking set up with Shaw. Yeah, let's, let's get to that. He was the main baddie yeah. of the last film. And like, he was all set to kill these people. And he's so and I, I goofy during this entire movie, yeah. too. He is, but I, I get it. You know, you're eight movies in. You have to take the deck and you have to shuffle it. Yeah. So, okay, yeah. we're going to make Dom the bad guy and we're going to make Shaw the good guy who integrates into the group. There is nothing about the way Shaw gets put in this group that makes a hint no, of sense. It doesn't. Nothing. 
It's Other like than they, to shuffle the deck. Yeah, it, it's like they moved them into a more minimal security facility or something mm-hmm. like that. And yeah, th- I got major. I think it's uh, Escape Plan, right, with uh, Schwarzenegger and oh, Stallone, yeah. where they're in. Yeah, oh yeah, that's right. I got major Good Escape call. Plan vibes during this whole scene. Which I, I kind of like but the scene. Everyone's getting their ass. I was, was going to say this is my probably favorite action scene in the movie. Mm-hmm. Is the the fisticuffs that go on here? I, I think it's rather fun. But God, the way they put Jason Statham into this into this plot, it's like everything else in this <sighs> plot. It doesn't make a bit in a sense. And the style between Hobbs and Shaw is hilarious too because they're they're both jawing at each other. Hobbs picks up a fucking mounted, anchored cement. <laughs> fucking bench picks it up and starts doing curls with it all right he, the the guy won't throw a punch but he'll pick up three guys at the same time throw them across the wall meanwhile fucking uh, shaw is doing parkour fighting he's sliding all yeah. over the place he's jumping over backs he's hitting people in the face it's it's this fucking scene is really good i i i do I like the scene I, outside of the logistical fucking bullshit that is leading there the execution is is, is pretty good okay there's a lot to unpack there so i'm gonna chime in Point number one. There's a reason why hashtag justice for Han was trending after this movie. <laughs> okay. That's point number yeah. one. Okay. Uh, the, the I love how Shaw takes a pot shot calling him Hercules. <laughs> yeah, that, I got I got yep. It's like, oh yeah, that other franchise you thought you were gonna lead. Mm-hmm. And three, the reason why that fight scene works so well is because Statham is one of the only ones who does his own fight choreography. If you notice, oh, okay. you notice he's in shots a lot longer than anybody else because mm-hmm. they don't have to edit this movie like the middle born movies where it's choppy as shit and you can't tell what's happening. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because Gray's just not compatible with this kind of shooting, but because Statham does so much of his own stunt work and choreography, his fight scenes look so much better. And you're right about The Rock just. You know, rubber bullets just bounce off of them. It's just, it's insane. Like, like this, this it's great. It reminded me of um, the prison scene in Deadpool 2 when, uh, oh, yeah. when Cable shows up. It kind of reminds me of that, mm. where it's just all chaos and everyone's trying to... Boy, if all it takes is a rogue nightstick to open up every single door, how is that prison still functioning? <laughs> Well, shit, it reminds me of fucking Skull Island where they're fucking shooting <laughs> missiles at Kong and they're hitting him and he's just getting pissed off. It's yeah. the same thing here. Like, Hobbs gets hit with the rubber. He's like, rubber bullets, and he gets so mad. <laughs> he's so mad. Just keeps going. They both break out. Kurt Russell, Mr. Nobody, he's like, oh, that took longer than I thought, but hey, you guys are good. So we cut back to their compound, which is at an undisclosed location. And nobody was paying attention to the editing room because every other plate, every other new location gets a title card with the name. But this one is just called Undisclosed Location. <laughs> I, I have so many issues with the editing in this movie. We're going to get to it when we get to the climax. But yeah. Oh, God damn. Yeah. The undisclosed Location. <laughs> I think that's where Scott Eastwood's career is. <laughs> Because I swear to God, they think they're trying to make him into the new Paul Walker. Oh, absolutely they are. That is what they're doing. But again, you're not going to get me to say I miss Paul Walker. I, I know when to back off. 
Um, (laughs) But he's basically telling them that Cypher is a ghost and, you know, we've tried to lock on her, but somehow only four people have ever seen her. Like, it's so ridiculous the lengths Mm. they go to to make her, like, the this godlike, omnipotent supervillain. Yeah, even on the kind of... uh... The outside, instead of directly just bring her up as a reference, on the, on the outside of it, like, Letty brings up that she had worked for, or the guy that worked for the redhead dude, she remembers him being part of, of Shaw's brother's gang. And then Shaw even brings up, like, oh, my brother was fucking working for her the whole time, you know. They they really try to tie it in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. To, to Cypher being like the, oh, she's the one controlling everything. Which yeah. at least makes sense because she was having Owen Shaw steal that nightshade device. That, it does no, make it doesn't sense. make sense. All they're doing is they're trying, they're saying, oh, she was just off screen while all that other stuff was going on. They're trying to retroactive this shit. They, they and, totally no, are. And, and, I, and I hate that. I hate when movies do that. This was the real villain in those previous two films. No, no, you don't do that. You know what? Now that you bring, I don't know which one is better. To be honest with you, the the, the fact that they because I kind of appreciate some kind of connectivity between the the films and within the franchise itself, or mm-hmm. just brand new villain out of nowhere. Uh, because that's what I thought Shaw was. I thought he was no he Deckard Shaw. I mean, in in, in Furious Seven, yeah. you know, he was tied to his brother. I get that. That seems like a very natural progression to me. Um, Mm -hmm. And in Seven, he's just a destruction, agent of chaos kind of dude. Whereas Cypher is, she's the one pulling all the strings. It's like, I don't know. But I do kind of, we take a lot of liberties and give a lot of, uh, give a lot of leeway in, in, in this franchise as a whole. So it's like, if you're gonna tie it into that, it's like, oh, I, I see you. I see, I see the writer. I, I see Chris Morgan's whole fucking his thumb on the scale, trying to plan everything. It's like, all right, mm. I, I accept it, but I, I don't know if the, if, if the alternative is better though. This is basically it's probably not. It's probably not. To be honest, <laughs> <It's> probably not. <laughs> we've seen what this franchise could do. Uh, to, to use a wrestling analogy, Garrett. This is the equivalent of Vince McMahon being revealed as the higher power. There you go. Like, I have expected Shirley there to go, it was me, Toretto! And of course, because she's a hacker, she attacks them exactly at the right time as they're trying to track her. And I had an epiphany watching this movie. I was like, what other action franchise movie is this reminding me of? Oh, God. You're going to say exactly what's in my notes. Go for it. I know what you're going to say. I rewatched... Uh, live free or die hard. Yes, yes. <laughs> this is the live free or die hard oh of this God. series because it's about hacking, yes. and the characters have become superheroes. Like in that movie, John McClane is jumping off of fucking helicopters. Yep. <laughs> like in both of these movies, they forget what brought them to the dance. Like they they abandon. They completely abandon what worked about these. See, Garrett, that's why you and I have worked together for six yeah. plus years. Or officially, you know, you guys celebrated eight-year anniversary of the site we celebrated our sixth anniversary together here yep in march so that's why i love you so much beautiful <laughs> yeah i i got that exact epiphany the bad guy hitting keys the mastermind and everything oh yeah definitely got those vibes so this is where we get the money shot in the trailer of cypher just 
fucking planted a French on Toretto in front of Letty. Like, that was the big moment in the trailer. And I'm like, this, obviously, there's some reason why he's, he clearly doesn't look into it if you watch the trailer and you watch the shot. So I'm like, all right, how are they going to explain why he's turned his back on family? I thought, because I was sitting there in the theater going, okay, this is Fast and Furious. What's the most outlandish thing they could do? Mm-hmm. I thought Cypher was going to be either A, his long-lost sister, or B, she would have his father captured. Yeah. See, oh, okay. See, him being blackmailed is a hell of a lot different than he's gone to the dark side, to bring up a Star Wars analogy. Mm-hmm. like They're trying so hard to still make him kind of the good guy. They don't want to turn him all the way bad. This movie has no fucking balls. Yeah, nope. that's that's my biggest that that was my biggest takeaway. That's exactly what I I said after this film, Garrett. This film has no balls. Mm-hmm. T- take away any of the action scenes or anything like that, but they just can't decide what they want to do with the Dom character. Yeah, and mm-hmm. I, I I I get that if you want to put him in between both sides and him being pulled from once from the, from the family side, you know, Letty and everything like that. And then the Cypher side with, with his son and Elsa Pataki and all that shit. I, I totally get that. They don't give enough time to explore that, but even if they did, I don't think that F Gary gray would have the balls to fucking pull the trigger on that. Yeah. Either way, either way, I don't think it would have fucking happened. I know that or he's being told by the star, a.k.a. producer. <clears throat> right. <laughs> right. You know. Right. Yeah, totally. It, it was also false advertising. Like, it was the definition of false uh-huh. advertising. Because I'm pretty sure they left all the blackmail components out of the trailers. Yeah, also a, a weird, uh, another uh, weird Matrix connection. Very reminiscent of Monica Bellucci kissing uh, oh, Keanu Reeves. In, yeah. uh, Good call. Reloaded or yeah. I think it's Reloaded, yeah. It is- it was reloaded. Yeah, I don't know. Two and three kind of blend together. Like, mm. like, like I can't tell them apart. I I count that as a strength, Matt. I count that. As well, a that's because I wasn't on that retro. So thanks a lot. <laughs> so what, once Dom and Cipher escape, this is where we get the big reveal when they're on the they're on the plane. So Cipher reveals that not only does she have Elena hostage, who we have not seen since the end of six. She also has given birth to Dom's child. And fucking ugh, I turned to my buddy who I, who I saw the movie with, who loves these movies like unabashedly, like more so than me. And I said, You have got to be fucking kidding me. The soapbox in this movie, more than any other one, is fucking re goddamn ridiculous. I wanted to be at a Tay Tay concert when I saw <laughs> Like, this is this is fucking ridiculous. Uh, when did she give birth to this kid? This was supposedly in the breakup when he thought that maybe uh, Lady was dead. Oh, my God. This is so fucking stupid. Well, of course, yeah. the big motivator was going to be it's about family. Yeah, well, that's of why. Course. Of course. Yeah, totally. This timeline, though, makes zero sense to me. Nope. It makes zero sense. This baby, it's a baby. It's not even a kid. It's a baby at this point. Yeah, it's a toddler. Yeah, it's 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 got it, younger than a year old, but if you think about like the time, oh god damn it, it, it this timeline makes zero sense. Mm-hmm. We've been talking about it for fucking seven movies. This is my shit. Unabashedly, I love this fucking franchise. But come on, you're fucking losing even me 
in this. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make mm-hmm. any sense. Nope. So not only do Dom and Cypher get away, they also steal God's Eye, which was the big device from Seven. So at least mm-hmm. they're keeping some kind of consistency with... <laughs> yep. I'm grasping at straws at this point. No, no, of course, of course. (laughs) And I appreciate that. (laughs) Me too. You're running out of them, though, Matt, I gotta say. Yeah, so so everyone gets back together. Even though they got the ship being out of them by bombs and Dom shooting glass and not hitting anybody, (laughs) the team's like, all right, where is he? Shaw goes, he's in Manhattan. Although when you watch these sequences, it's very clear that it was shot in fucking Cleveland. But before we get there, we have to talk about this Uber garage. It's like God's warehouse almost, where it's like every car you could think of is impounded. And, of course, Tyrese takes the orange Lamborghini. Yeah. Yeah. Is this when the, all the cars go off the garage? Are we talking about I'm getting yet? to that. Oh, you're getting to that. Because <laughs> before that, we have the setup where Dom is spied on through an ATM. Because that is that is how all-encompassing this movie's interpretation of technology is. And it can be solved by coordinating a truck to drive directly in front of the ATM that Dom was initially nowhere near. Also, also how could I forget that? Their home base is just a gigantic warehouse with some of the fucking flamest cars of all time. Like the the fucking smokingest cars of all time. That's the, that's their base of operations. It's like, yes. all right, okay. Yes. I, I can't see him. I can't see him. Oh, my God. I can't believe the suspense, quote-unquote, <laughs> that they build here. Yeah. All you need is one Asian hacker, and you could do everything. <laughs> apparently, yeah. So speaking of apparently emphasizing the word parent, Ooh. Dom is introduced to, if you thought Charlize Theron was too classy, Dame Helen Mirren fucking shows up in this movie. Yeah. And he and tells her that I can, I basically, I can give you something that you lost. Vin Diesel going for, you know, he's done this before. Remember Dame Judi Dench in one of those Riddick movies. You know, he's interacted with oh, these older respected right. actresses before. So yeah. I, I thought maybe he would bring her back, but no. Totally forgot about Helen Mirren, who had a moment. She was in Red 2, and she's had a very respectable career, don't get me wrong. But it was a real head turner when I saw her show up. I was like, holy shit. But once you see her, like I said earlier, it's no mystery who she is. Mm-hmm. She's also uncredited, which was very weird because she gets yeah. a decent. She gets more than one scene. You know, it's not entirely a cameo. Uh huh. But but you're right. Just based on process of elimination with the rest of this cast, gee, in a series that's all about family, I wonder who she's related to. Yeah. <laughs> so basically, Dom. Right away, we're not even halfway through this goddamn movie, and he's already turning against Cipher, trying to oop trying to irk his way out of it, even though he never tells his fucking team, hey, by the way, help me. She's got dirt on me. Help me save my family. He has multiple opportunities to do that, and this dumb son of a bitch doesn't know enough to think two steps ahead. Like, there's no reason not to tell them, especially when he's trying to go, and apparently her technology is not encompassing enough to where a truck blocking an ATM gives Dom enough (laughs) anonymity to figure this shit out. But you're right, Garrett. This is where we get Tomorrow Never Dies with a self-driving car multiplied by, I don't know, 1,000, where basically Cypher takes yes. over every car in a garage. Zombie, we get zombie cars. And that, this is not the most absurd thing in this movie. 
Like, <laughs> and, and, I, and I, I can't believe I am saying that. Like, this is well, it's it's not the most absurd move. It's not the most absurd thing in this franchise, though. I want to reiterate: this is ridiculous. But I've been saying it, guys, for eight movies. This is the fucking franchise in a nutshell. It's stupid and stupider and stupider. And so I'm not going to say this is any worse than what we've seen previously. I'm not. And I'm still going to say it's not nearly as bad as the sixth movie. But I, I agree it's ridiculous, but I've been screaming about that for eight movies now. Mm-hmm. So and all the cars in the dealership get hacked. And there's all this excess chain guns and everything just to capture one guy. <laughs> Excess is not a word that, that that has steeped the mind of this crew. <sighs> so it turns out that their cipher is after a nuclear football that the Russian Minister of Defense has. So that that's the whole conceit for this car chase. And of course, Dom's old crew comes back together. But before they do that, they say, wait, we should call Mia and Brian. This was a big talking point in the movie. Like, how are they going to address oh, their right. absence? And they flat out say, oh, we all agreed just to leave them alone. You couldn't come up with anything better. Yeah, because... I was just about ready to say, why not get one of his actors to imitate his voice or something? Yeah, just get get one of his brothers to call him or do it off camera where you can't hear what they're saying. And she just says, thank you, Brian, or something. You're already doing it with Vin Diesel and The Rock Uh on a a phone and separating Mm -hmm. them in between Mm -hmm. scenes and everything. So why not fucking do that? Because... I don't think, and guys, correct me if I'm wrong, but like I don't remember any hard play from Furious 7 where it's like, all right, well, I know they kind of mention that Brian and Mia, like they don't want to have anything to do with it, but the way that fucking movie ended with the over-dramatic drive and everything, I, I don't think it established that at all. I mm-hmm. mean, no. It, and they just kind of have a throwaway of line, like, Letty's like, don't, don't do it. We swore. That's yeah. <laughs> like, come on. <laughs> but I, I think that would work better. I think that would work better for the I series agree. as a whole if they just had a, a look, you have a one-off line where we're not bringing Brian and Mia into this. Yeah. Do, a, do a phone call. Have a phone call real quick. It takes 30 seconds, and then we'll be done. But maybe they just also, want to attract too much attention to it. I don't know. Also, let's not forget fucking... Mia is Dom's sister. So you're more than justified to bring her in. You can leave sure. Brian out of it. Yeah, she's not dead. Good good point. I'm surprised they didn't Peter Cushing this, though. I really am. Like, one mm. scene of him, like, from behind or something. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's... Yeah. The way they almost integrate, but they don't integrate him in, it's like, why mention him at all? Especially when you're going to do the very awkward... Uh, green screen CGI, bring him back with the, bring Brian back the yeah. last quote unquote race in Furious Seven, mm-hmm. where that mm-hmm. looked really, I mean, really, really awkward. Yeah, fucking right. way. What's to lose at this point? Throw him in there again. Who gives a fuck? Yeah, yeah. Just, just, just do it. Like you've already. Yeah, exactly. And I don't think it'd be as like. The, the problem with the Tark, like the Tarkin one, Garrett, since you brought that up, was that he has so much screen time in Rogue One. True, that was the one that came to mind. But we're living in that age now, you know. No, they're, they're, I'm convinced. Like you're going to see, like when Mark Hamill inevitably dies, there was a wreck Luke Skywalker. They'll just use archival footage. Like it's it's going to be insane. Mm-hmm. Actors will sign contracts to say, "Don't use any of my likeness after I die." Like I think we're going to get to that point. Mm. But speaking of great movie deaths. They go full Braveheart by trying to harpoon his car. They try to William Wallace's <laughs> car 
<laughs> they have for three movies at least love this fucking harpoon gun they <laughs> love it so much they just keep bringing mm. it up i don't mind it but of all things to keep bringing up again just fucking bring brian back for a phone call and yeah how about yeah. we care about the story a little bit i'm not saying bit. i'm not saying like 50 percent. i'm saying like 15 Let's give fifteen percent effort to this fucking storyline, but and let, and let's by all let's instead let's by all means remind people of when they used to steal DVD players, you know, yes. oh, the glory days. <laughs> and these are five government-made cars. They can't stop him. That's the other crux that this series has run into. Going back to the scene of The Rock um, managing kids in the soccer field, like instead of calling the Navy SEALs or anything, we're calling these guys. We're calling these guys who used to steal cars and used to steal DVD players to do your government work. At this point, you're not going to make it believable, but make them integrate into the plot feasibly. And with everything they do here, with everything that they're doing with Cypher and the way Cypher's like, you ruined my plans. Matt, it's one of those fucking Bond movies gone terribly wrong because nothing's integrated very smoothly at all. This thing. Speaking of poorly integrated, eventually you get to a point where it's presumed that Shaw is killed. Dom shoots him, which is also absurd that, that he doesn't die, even though he's shot point blank. Yeah. Letty takes the case and runs, and we get maybe the worst scene of the movie where she's yelling at him. <laughs> oh, yes. Yes. This was in the trailer, too, from what I remember. Oh, this, was, this was so bad. Yeah, and they, cut to, bad. they cut to Vin Diesel, and he just looks constipated because that's all he knows to do. <laughs> <laughs> And I brought up in that first Fast and Furious podcast, Michelle Rodriguez had a she had a moment where she was actually looked at as a pretty decent actress um, in Girl Fight. And god damn, like all of that's just thrown out the window here. She is just let's do one take. All right, we're done. Let's go. Let's just keep moving. <laughs> well, I'm pretty sure that's also that's you might as well call uh, Roman single take Tyrese. That's yeah, true too. Yeah. So I, I I don't think it's it's just her. I think it's everybody. But Dom's. Basically says, you know, don't don't shoot her because the henchman comes in, and then the team reconvenes and they're all sad about Shaw dying, even though he was the villain of the last movie. Like, like you all fucking hate this guy. Why are you yeah. reacting this way? All the all the character dynamics in this movie are just ass backwards. <laughs> but eight movies in, man. How does this happen? I know they just completely. I it's know. the same writer. How does that? How does he completely forget? All of his characters. Oh, it's so stupid. But here's here's the thing, guys. Here's the thing. Is it because <laughs> it's that stupid? Because I'm, I'm, I've been saying this entire podcast, it's not any more ridiculous than what we've seen before. Or is it because we felt fatigue at this point? Is it because we are eight movies in, we have watched these in very close proximity, and we're sure. starting to feel not the fate in the Furious, but the fatigue of the Furious. Ooh, we're, we're just all kind of fatigued good, by good man. What, I, I, I what love that. I love that. Yeah. By what we've uh, seen so far. Thank at you. some I, point, I in, in some point, 10 years, we will uh, reposition this uh, franchise, this uh, retrospective. We'll just call it Fatigue and the Furious. We'll just package it that way. <laughs> uh, but I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know because I, I would say that you're right, but Furious 7 is one of the better movies in this franchise. So I, I, yep. I don't think we're fatigued. I think it is, and I don't want to be uh, bad luck or whatever. I, it's the whole evens and odds thing matt you're in my head i can't get it out of my head i think it's just a curse of 
even numbered Fast and the Furious films are really bad. I think it just goes down to that. I think God has the bigger plan, is what I'm trying to say, guys. <laughs> I think there's a couple fallacies at play here. One, seven had finality to it because it was it was you know it was built up. Everything went full circle. You had a send off for Paul Walker, who started this series, co-started it. There was no need to make another movie after it. This feels like a movie that would have been made like 10 years later when people try to resurrect a franchise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, it feels like a new crew. feels like a new director. Well, technically it is. But, like, it feels like it doesn't feel like the same screenwriter. But it just doesn't feel the same. Because the dialogue yeah. is so fucking But bad. it doesn't feel the same. You're right. It, it just it, it doesn't feel the same. Yeah. But you're right. I, I, fatigue is not the right word. I just think... This is what happens when you don't know when to bow out and you feel like you're treading tires, basically. Which is what this movie feels like. Sure. So we get Vin Diesel's Oscar clip where it's him crying after only he gets shot. (laughs) (laughs) He thought this was going to be like the movie that put him back on the map because everyone was cracking jokes. What's funny is he was the one who said before the previous film, it's going to win an Oscar. I don't know if you guys, I don't know if we brought that up in the last. No, you did. What? Okay. Yeah. He's, he said that the seventh movie will win an Oscar. He did say that for best picture. Okay. And, and so this is him trying to prove that this franchise is more than just fast cars and, you know, people doing ridiculous things. He's trying to act here and Oh my God. Yeah. He earns a raspberry. I don't know if he earns an Oscar here. Yeah, I, I mean, in terms of winning an Oscar, I mean, technically, sure. Yeah, I think Transformers probably won an Oscar for fucking yeah. technical shit. I think it, but I think yeah, it did, I, yeah. That, that is the only realm in which any Fast and Furious movie would win an Oscar is on the technical yep. side. Yep. It, it would never be on the acting side, producing side, directing side. It would never be that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I would live to. I would love to live to a hundred, and for me to be proven wrong, <laughs> and just sit there in my own my own fucking uh, piss covered drawers and go like, "Oh, it's about time! <laughs> it's about time that they finally won an Oscar." <laughs> and you would, you would literally shit yourself as they opened the envelope. I'm shitting myself now just thinking about it. I'm just kidding. <laughs> The amount of booze we drink, we're lucky if we hit 60. (laughs) Let alone 100. Now, Garrett, we always talk about how in movies, they're very reflective of other franchises that are popular at the time. Yep. So the next scene where Ramsey reveals that, like, all the previous villains are tied into Cypher because she finds, like, Jaiman Hasu's picture. No. I was like... Yes. This yes. was Spectre. It was Spectre 2.0. Yep. Like, it yep. stole... The problem is, it's stealing from all the bad bodies. Now, it's not taking from the good ones. Now, Spectre is the... Um, Anton Sugar... He's the bad guy, right? Anton, oh, I forget. Javier right. Bardem? Well, he was the villain in Skyfall, but they, oh, revealed Skyfall. That, oh, okay. they, they revealed that he was a Spectre agent in Spectre, which oh, okay. is... Yeah. Part of the bigger, much, yeah. much like Web yeah, much like of, this, they do the same thing where they reveal all the Daniel Craig villains were tied into Spectre. Yes, yeah, yeah okay, yeah, okay, yeah. yeah because that was the thing. Like, 
be remedied. Ramsey being like, and I don't want to see this person who was blah, 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 blah. And it's like, oh, Jaman Hatsu yeah. is there. Okay, great. All right, let's tie everything <laughs> yeah. in. Awesome. Let's tie everything together. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what this feels like? like uh, I know with the exception of the beginning of this podcast, I've been pretty hard on Charlize Theron, but she she strikes me as an actress who asks why. You know, why would I do this? Why would I do that? Um, and this reveal is a probably a result of her doing that and mm. it just it doesn't make any sense dude i i will say that's a good point garrett i will say her delivery in this film is i i, I think it could be utilized in another film i think yeah. it could work in another film i think the character could work in another film here it's terrible yeah. she's maybe she's too good i don't know i, I don't want to put good or bad on it I just want to say, like, she could be used in another film. I don't. I, mm-hmm. It doesn't work here, though. Yeah, speaking of what behind the ears, Scott Eastwood once again gets chastised by Kurt Russell here, where he's like, "Hey, just cut the fuck up and let them do their jobs." Yeah. And of course, The Rock cuts a promo on him, basically once again. Yep. Yeah, The Rock. The Rock. I said that they brought him back after having him fall all the way to the basement in that sixth movie the seventh one he was really integrated very well here i'm once again feeling like god he's just all he does in this is cut fucking promos that's all he does yeah. <laughs> although although i will say out of everybody in this movie the chemistry between him and statham is like the best chemistry in the movie i think yeah well <laughs> you know? it explains why they went the direction they did oh yeah right yeah. oh yeah now the, the direction that this movie goes is the big third act set piece they go to russia because it's soviet russia scripts write you apparently <laughs> very well played sir <laughs> very nice the the emp device that they stole that played a integral part in the, the conceit of this opening movie is to disable a nuclear submarine so she can start world war three this is a fucking james bond plot it's a complete James Bond plot. And here's a big problem I have with the direction as well. The whole third act of this movie, she's saying this. I think she's saying it from the submarine. I think she's actually in it during the third act. But no, when she get, escapes, she goes, oh, I have a parachute. So she jumps out of a plane. They never establish where she is this entire third act. And and it's not so, so this No. And you look at, so you look at the vehicles they all steal, commandeer for this mission. Only two of them are really feasible for driving on ice. Oh, we're getting here already, huh? Yeah. So basically, you know, they're all game playing. Like, what are we going to do? And the movie basically becomes die another day for the next 20 to 25 minutes. Mixed with the Mm -hmm. final level of Call of Duty 4 Modern Warfare. (laughs) Why aren't any of these cars falling through the ice? Why? You're going to complain about that and not the fact that the rock gets into a shoving match with a fucking torpedo. (laughs) <laughs> that's a really good point that's a really good point Garrett oh, oh, boy. he got me there <laughs> yeah so they're all like alright here's what we gotta do we gotta shut down the submarine and make sure it doesn't go into open waters so this where Dom has his change of heart which is the most predictable thing at this point because we know he's mm. he's gonna he's gonna turn baby face again at some point Mm-hmm. At least Ramsey actually gets to hack because she's trying to shut down the submarine. So mm-hmm. at least she's serving a 
yeah, she has purpose at this point. Yeah, she has some. So it's against the Cypher's plot here. So she's going to fire a warning shot with this nuke. This is a common thing in hacking movies. You know, we saw it in Die Hard 4 as well. The government's bad. I want to show them that they fucked up by what they did to me. And so she gets the plot. She gets she gets these these nukes. She gets the sub in order to fire the nukes. And what she says is, you know, she she's not again. The movie has no balls. She's not saying I'm going to fire this if you don't do this. She says I'll fire a warning shot to show what it does, and then maybe I'll fire again. Her character is so disjointed. You're you're right because a warning shot starts off a nuclear holocaust. Like there's no yeah, there's yeah, no warning to that. Ocean? Yeah. Like, yeah. It's going to wipe out the Great Barrier Reef. That's going to be her warning yeah. shot. <laughs> and at this point, I'm like, you know what? I just want this movie to fucking end. Like, yeah, it's a long one, too. Like, and, go and this goes on forever. There's a lot of slow-mo. The editing mm. drives me crazy. There's more quick cuts in this movie than, like, the Food Network cooking shows. Like, <laughs> it's insane. Jesus. Directed by Paul Greengrass. <laughs> that's exactly what I was thinking of. This looks like the middle born movies, especially yeah. when Letty's then, fighting the guy in the submarine. Absolutely, yeah. But it goes back to what I said earlier in the show. F. Gary Gray is doing a competent job. These are competent action scenes, but James Wan's action scenes, I felt adrenalized. All, yep. all of those scenes in that movie, they, they really pump you up. Yeah. This is just, we're getting through it. The stunts are good. The effects are good. The chases, okay, but I'm not feeling adrenalized at all. Agreed, yeah. I, I, and to say, and I don't think any of us think that F. Gary Gray is a bad director. It's just the wrong project for him. It's yeah, just correct. the wrong assignment. I mean, because the guy has proven himself to be a pretty competent director, man. I mean, it, it, it's just, I don't think he works here. But they thought they were going to James Wan this again because James Wan wasn't known for his action before he took Furious right, 7. Yeah. And they thought, okay, yeah, good point. Well, he does, well good, he does real well with cast chemistry. Maybe that'll integrate fine, and then it'll disguise the fact that the action is going to be different, and it doesn't. The action in this, it just it, it falls flat. What also falls flat is the moment where this is where we get the flashback that Dom did not shoot Shaw, so it, it was sort of like... I don't even know. Like, did he? He must have just pretended to get shot, fell down. Like the bullets just grazed him. I don't. I don't fucking know. So this is where the they tie Shaw back in. We get a scene between him and his mom. Well, the one line that made me laugh at this movie is when she's like, "Take your brother with you." And every older brother knows that reaction. Oh yeah, yeah. absolutely, absolutely. Uh, yeah. And we all say that as the oldest siblings. I think all three of us mm-hmm. are in our uh, families. So, uh, so that's what I definitely I'm the with, baby. You know, I'm the baby. I, I'm used to um, hearing that. <laughs> we got both ends of the spectrum. This is, fuck, this is even better. <laughs> you fucking assholes. <laughs> so you know we got we've had fights on land. Now we got fights on the sea, and now we got fights in the air with the Shaw brothers uh, rescuing Dom's baby. Which again, you know what? This these works. guys have been the villains for the last two movies. They've forgotten this guy murdered Han. They've completely forgotten any semblance of character motivation. Yeah, but you, you know what this is. I had this in my notes as well. Jason Statham is the only one out of these big macho dudes who hasn't had one of these pacifiers or tooth fairies or one of these, you know, family-friendly films. So this is the way he's going to have his, is he's going to have these knockarounds with this baby and keeping him out of trouble and having little little smiles with him. This is his pacifiers. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, you're right. That's the way to do it instead of doing a whole <laughs> yeah. fucking movie. That's <laughs> yeah, the way to right do it instead of doing a whole yeah. fucking movie. And being exactly. known for that. Put it right in your Fast and Furious. End. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> Written by Chris Morgan. 
and, uh, and I don't know if you noticed the so the, the fight that's happening with the kid not watching with headphones that is stolen from face off oh that's right god oh shit another derivative part of this movie I didn't think about that connection so eventually the submarine breaks out of the ice it's been activated now they've officially said fuck it subs can only go a, a certain speed and it's catching up to these cars with 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 ease like apparently not much difficulty <laughs> and they're literally outrunning a submarine this is the equivalent of james bond paragliding oh, on yes. a cg on a cg backdrop mm-hmm. and it's magnified by dom driving the fucking car they literally jumped the shark but hey at least we finally got a movie with a dom sub relationship <laughs> yep yep it, it's I think I think this movie hit the point for me where I'm like, everybody's at their breaking point. I thought it was six with him catching Letty on the fucking runway or the freeway. Mm-hmm. I think that this is so far removed. Even at this point. Yeah. With all the crazy shit I've seen in these movies, this was the moment that almost broke me. <laughs> wow, this was it, huh? I think that I think this was a fridge too far, if you will. Yeah, this is definitely a fast too far for the whole fast franchise. It's too bad. It's too bad. The cars act as shields for from the flames. Oh, yes. I'm like, oh yeah. Oh god, I, I almost fell out of my chair. I was laughing so hard. And, and let's not let's not forget again. It's not like these guys are trained agents. These guys are fucking. They're thieves yeah. from the first film. Like, right. They're not trained at all. Exactly. Using these cars as shields. Dude, it's it's one of the things that my wife brings up every time we watch these movies, and she likes them. But it's it's always fun to to nitpick a mm-hmm. film. Uh, it's one of my favorite things. So we're looking at this, and she's like, "These guys are trained. When did they become trained?" Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, that was my question in the last movie. Like, apparently, Michelle Rodriguez knew kung fu after a certain point. Yeah, and Tej Tej had a whole online course where he was fucking accelerated to be a tech guru and also uh-huh. fight also be like an amazing fighter too. like all these guys that fucking know how to fight really well and everything mm-hmm. it's just fucking ridiculous so ridiculous that dom's necklace had a tracking oh. device on it Garrett, <laughs> oh. i thought about you while watching this oh and i'm like God. what is Garrett gonna think about this whole fucking thing because this is so fucking dumb even for this franchise it is yeah and yeah. it's way too late for the late 90s usual suspects oh we're gonna show you everything that happened mm-hmm. viewer because you were too fucking stupid to fucking pay attention to things. It's amazing that this montage happens in this film. And this is definitely an F. Gary Gray thing where, like, everything mm-hmm. comes back. Because not not to say anything bad about him. Like, I, I like the majority of his films or whatever. I looked at his filmography. I like the majority of them. So it, it's not terrible. But th- this is a very, very dated way to include the audience as to what is happening it's like come on man yeah, yeah. this 20 dollar necklace that i made fun of in that sixth movie is so integrated into so this <laughs> oh my god <laughs> yeah i did have the sighing reaction oh. when i was watching yeah and she gets away like a cartoon supervillain 
It's I'll yep. get you next time gadget. That is exactly <laughs> what I thought of. Good one. <sighs> You're not wrong, man. You're not wrong. Yeah. I mean, maybe she signed a multi-film deal because this seemed like something she did solely for the money. <laughs> if I'll do uh, that, if I'm going to be in a Fast and Furious franchise, then uh, get me for two movies at least. Because mm-hmm. I know those motherfuckers uh, gross more than a billion dollars every fucking movie. Yeah, that makes sense. Hell, man. they didn't even—they didn't even kill Shaw. These people stick around. Right. Stick around. Yeah, I don't even think Elena's no. dead. I'll go that far. She might show up in the next. Oh well, my god, see her Dude, die on You're totally—you're totally right. I was halfway through this movie going, finally they killed her. Like, why did they bring her back? Fine, they mm-hmm. killed her. But you're so right. You're so right. They could be—they could totally bring her back. Mm-hmm. Ah. Yeah, they—they can reveal that the. The gun had blanks in it or something. It was it was yeah, staged. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, because we hear the shot. I mean, hell, people people apparently could survive explosions based on <laughs> Han. <laughs> so, <laughs> so maybe these people are just in, invisible. But and Letty, what's not invisible not is Letty. they. Let's not forget. Letty. Oh, that's right too. <laughs> so Kurt Russell shows up at the end to greet the family. Tells him Cipher is still you know out and about. Hobbs doesn't take his DSS job back because he wants to be a family man. And just because Shaw gives Dom his kid, all is forgiven, apparently, because hashtag justice for Han. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Are we yeah. forgetting this guy tried killing them in the last film? Right. For- yeah. Right. <laughs> he blew up your house. We're yes. All, yeah. We're all supposed to forget that. We're all supposed uh-huh. to forget. You know what? Sit down. And also, let me say grace or whatever the fuck it is. Oh, yeah. Yeah, my turn to say great. Oh my God. Which has actually only happened, like, I think twice in the entire franchise. They always talk about mm-hmm. it, but then they don't do it. Mm-hmm. So apparently, this is a thing they just fucking do. Ugh. Yeah. Ugh. Well, that does it because credits wait, wait, wait. roll. Wait, wait, wait. Go, Before go ahead. you say that, though, you forgot the big reveal that the dad names the kid, right? So he calls him Brian. He calls and him look, Brian. I know you want to pay tribute to your friend. I get it. Why not call him Paul then? Yes. Why doesn't it have to be Because Brian? they treat it like Brian O'Connor did. Yeah, oh, th- exactly. Wow, that is amazing. That's amazing, Jarrett. You're totally right. Uh, and I did see that Vin Diesel, I, I did read an interview with him where he said the reason why he he did it this way is because Brian's never not been in these big dinner scenes and he wanted to find a way to put Brian in. This is the way he put, this is the way he found to put Brian in. I get it. But God, again, it just makes no sense. I'm sick of saying it. (laughs) Uh, Dude. I mean, calling the kid Paul would just bring so many fucking people in the people. Obviously that hated fate in the furious, but if they stuck around and heard that fucking Paul was the name of the kid, then that would definitely bring them back in mm-hmm. a little bit, a little bit. Yeah. All right. Well, we, we don't have it. to worry about breaking them in because this thing made over a billion dollars. So yeah. <laughs> it worked to some degree, but yeah, nobody cares. I guess it's nobody just, fucking just, cares. Yeah, it's just nobody gives a shit. But it's just one of those. Again, it's one of those mind-numbing decisions where if you're thinking logically, this isn't the way to go. But why, why fucking bother with um, with logic at this? Yeah. Why bother? Absolutely. Totally right. right. Well, logic be damned, because that's going to bring me to your scores, which are always a treat to do, especially in these fucking movies. So ready. So, So, Alex, why don't you go first on this one? Ah, goddammit, I'm not that ready. (laughs) 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 Just kidding. 
Um, yeah, like I said, this is kind of a blind spot for me going into this film. And uh, while watching it, I was like, oh, I kind of remember this and this and that. But it's it, it's a forgettable entry into the franchise, unfortunately. Because th- there legitimately are great movies and great meaning for this franchise and this entire series. I I really can't stand this whole inverse uh, Dom zombie zombie storyline that is put forth where he doesn't he just saw it, he doesn't remember anything he doesn't remember his family and he just oh god so fucking stupid Charlie Theron who I absolutely love is she's okay in this but she she deserves to be in another movie as a as a villain and this villain particularly I think could work in another film or franchise or whatever the fuck it just doesn't work here because you cannot and this is unacceptable unacceptable for chris morgan as the writer for the last six movies six seven movies to not connect the dots dude you have been here this long and you just cannot connect the dots it doesn't make any fucking sense it's just fucking unacceptable for me. But at the end of the day, th- this is uh, th- this is not a good movie. It's just, it's just not. It, there's nothing here for me to pull from. In terms of the entire franchise, it is uh, piss poor. If you watch it as a one-off, it's pretty poor. It's not piss poor. It's pretty poor. And for that, I'm going to give it a um, a very, very solid 3 on 10. <laughs> yeah, this is just, it's just not a good movie. And it sucks. Matt, I'm, I'm going to always think of you with this franchise that the even movies are bad and the odd movies are good. And this, this fucking tells a story because you look back on it and the math as it were, checks out. So, uh, yeah, this is definitely a, a, a three on ten. That is considerably lower than I thought you would go, but I wonder if Garrett can possibly go any lower, because I really don't think so. So, well, my uh, beloved I mean, co-host, sir, the floor is yours. Well, I might surprise you with this. You know, you guys are answering a lot of questions I had while watching this movie, because, mm-hmm. as has been established, this series has not been my jam. I think my average mean of this series, my average score has been a four or five, right in that range. This has been a tough series to get through. But my question going in is, is it any more ridiculous? Will it break people who have been with the series since the beginning and have said, yeah, it's a pretty fun series. If you just turn off your brain, as I I know Alex hates that that saying, but if, if you go with it, you'll have a good time with it. And you guys are answering my question that no, you won't. However, as somebody, as the outsider of the series, as the non-gearhead, as the one who comes, who has come into the series already with my head down, I'm going to say it's no more ridiculous than what we've seen before. If you've gone with it up to now, fuck, have a good time with this. But it's tough to when you have a director who the action scenes are competent. We have a lot of stuff blows up real good, but at the same time, it's... God, I'm not going to say it's the worst because everything has been this ridiculous. So I'll go right in the middle. I'll give it a five. It's right in the middle of, hey, if you've gone with it this far, keep going with it. But according to you guys, it, it's not 
you can't do that with this movie because it's it's far off left field. But as some, as an outsider, I'll give it a five. Garrett, can I uh, can I ask you this? Yes, sir. Did you measure this up, and have you kept track of your ratings for this film? I have not because, um, well, obviously I, I, I edit these shows together. Sure, um, sure, sure. But I, I was going to save that for when we get to the final podcast. Okay, yeah, yeah, no problem. No problem. Average them all out. Okay. But I'm just guessing it's probably going to round a four. Okay, no problem. Consider you gave number six a zero. That's going to dramatically lower your average. Well, yeah, and, and I'll say, you know, this isn't, God, guys, that's still the low point of the series for me. That sixth movie is abysmal. To me, I, I will never ever watch that again. This I mentioned in the first pod, in the previous podcast that the first time I tried watching this, I fell asleep. Mm-hmm. So when I when I watched it for this for this one, I was just like, okay, let me pay attention here, let me see what's going on. And the more I paid attention to it, I'm like, yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah, we're getting Dom to be bad, although he's not really bad. All of this is you know haphazardly done, but it's, it's no worse than what I've seen in the past. And that sixth film just took itself so fucking serious, and the action in it was so bad that. You know, even that couldn't salvage. So, hey, the action here is competent. I went with it for the most part. It's a five. What the fuck? Damn, can't believe I'm going to be the harshest one of all of you. I think this is the worst one of this entire series. And I'll tell wow. you why. It is the biggest betrayal is not Dom on his team. It's on Chris Morgan. Because he completely disrespects everything that has come before in service of doubling down on the stuff in the, particularly the last two movies, the soap opera elements of six and seven. He doubles down on those without raising the stakes in the action department. I don't think any of the action scenes of this movie are particularly well. They may be well constructed from a set piece perspective, but they're poorly choreographed and they're poorly shot. And that's inexcusable for a movie of this size. (laughs) You know, this is the guy... I like his Italian job remake quite a bit, and I like Friday. I couldn't tell you much about Straight Out of Compton. I remember seeing it, but I haven't liked any of his other movies. Like the new Men in Black he did was fucking garbage. And it's like oh, I forgot that he did that. And Vin Diesel and company—they took all the wrong lessons. Everything just feels fake in this movie. Like even the family dynamic. Because by bringing Jason Statham into the fold, you realize Dom's perspective of family. Is a very loose definition for a guy who claims to have held it so dear this entire series. Charlize Theron, it's kind of sad watching her in this. It's so uninspired. Most of her scenes are just by herself reacting to a cutaway shot in a chair mm-hmm. before hitting a button that just triggers a bad special effect. That's pretty much the entirety of her performance. I do like that you know Paul Walker gets to live on through these movies, but this movie feels like it's suffering an identity crisis. Everybody's in a different movie. Vin Diesel thinks he's making Shadow of a Doubt. Uh, Statham and The Rock think they're making Bad Boys 4. I don't know what movie Charlize Theron is in. And Tyrese and Chris Bridges feel like the characters from Friday. Tyrese is borderline Chris Tucker in this fucking movie. I think he's that obnoxious in this one. And you could argue the characters in the previous movies, sometimes they felt like they were different movies, but there was a general camaraderie that I think elevates some of the substandard writing like in 6 or, or even 2 to go that far down. So this is one of the most disjointed entries in a, in a franchise I, I can recall. Like This is not one of the worst movies we've ever reviewed, Garrett, because if, if anyone ever wants to see, I keep a letterbox going every time we do a new movie. I rank every single movie we reviewed on the aftertaste. 
but I don't update it until the show's post, so I'm not really forward dating it. Like, this would not even be in the bottom 30. But I think it's the worst movie in the series. So if I gave two a four, I'm probably going to go with Alex. I got to go with three on this one as well. How do you make a boring Fast and Furious one? That's like the most damning statement I can give. I almost fell asleep. Garrett actually fell asleep. I dozed off twice for like micro naps. And that's no exaggeration. I'm shocked I'm saying that about a Fast and Furious movie. <laughs> and it's 20 minutes shorter than the last one. Here's the beauty of this retrospective. Out of the three of us, I gave it the highest score. Yes. How does that fucking happen? Yeah, how does that happen? <laughs> so, so yeah, it's I'm, I'm at a three. Within the confines of this series, like this, this was a very disheartening experience. And, and it was clear to me that, okay, they didn't know what to do. They only made this one because the last one made so much goddamn money. And the egos clashing behind the set, it's clear as day. And I think it really affects the finished product. Yeah, let's talk about that because I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast that The Rock and Vin Diesel, there was a breaking point with them. And I think the breaking point was as a setup for this next movie we're going to talk about next week, there was a stinger attached to the end of this that sets that movie up. But Vin Diesel, as the ego-driven producer, said, no, this is about family. This is my franchise. So he nixed that stinger that they had shot and put together for the end of this movie that sets up next week's. And I think that was the point where The Rock was like, okay. And I think that's when all the shit started. That's when all the tweets started because that was in the middle of post-production when all that happened. Nice. Yep. So for the record, if you were to ask me like where this would fall in worst movies that we've talked about, it's not in the bottom 20. It might be in the bottom 30. I don't fucking know. I don't think about this. But it is no Lady in the Water. <laughs> <laughs> it is no Leatherface. It is no Terminator Genesis. I don't have a hatred for this movie like I do those. It's just soul-crushing disappointment, which I guess is a, given my sports dynamics and given everything else in my life, I guess it's perfectly compatible <laughs> why I feel the way that I do. But speaking now, of the future... No, I, I was just going to say, this, this is definitely a movie where your brother or sister is dating a new person. You're just like, why? 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 Are you, you can going, do better. Well, you yeah. can do better. Why, you, why are you going with this fucking person? Come on. All right, so what are we talking about next week, Matt? Let's get to that. No, we're not talking about Furious 9. Not because it didn't get delayed again, although, knock on wood, that doesn't happen, because we're getting pretty close. Recording this in May. Movie's supposed to come out in June, so hopefully... Right. But there was one movie in between. The Rock and Statham, they got their own spinoff. The first movie was called Fast and Furious Presents, because they were so dead set on making this, you know, its own cinematic universe, because that's mm -hmm. the trend. Everything post-Marvel. I kind of thought it was inevitable that The Rock, of all people, would get the spinoff first. I imagine if Paul Walker had lived, he might have possibly gotten one. Oh, yeah. Hmm. But, you know, all things be considered, I was excited to hear about this one because they got, first thing, Chris Morgan, while he was writing it, they brought on Drew Pierce to be his co-writer. Now, if you don't know who Drew Pierce is, he was one of the writers on Iron Man 3, and he was mm -hmm. the primary writer alongside uh, Christopher McQuarrie on Mission Impossible Rogue Nation. Oh, okay. So he was, a, he was a guy I really liked. And then David Leach was announced to direct, who did co-director oh, on yeah. John Wick. He was the oh. director of Atomic Blonde, ironically starring Shirley Theron. And he did Deadpool 2, so this seemed right up his alley. So, you know, what were you guys feeling when you heard this was announced? And we should bring up, once again, Garrett has not yet seen this movie. No. And I, Alex, have I have also not seen this movie. Yep. As recording... As we are recording now, I should say, I have not seen this movie. For me, I, I, I think at this time I was just like, at this point, 
a spinoff? Are you fucking kidding me? Why? But now that I'm in the dial and the, the fucking DNA of Fast and Furious right now, I'm like, sure. After Fate and the Furious, let's see what Hobbs and Shaw is all about for sure. Yeah, and I, myself, I can't believe after pretty much demeaning Jason Statham for two straight podcasts, <laughs> you know, I thought he was, him and The Rock had the most chemistry in this, so I guess I kind of liked him in this, and how would I think that chemistry would go for a two, two and a half hour movie? I wasn't sure, but I, the only thing I felt about this movie was anger, because I think it delayed a recording me and Matt had, because guess what? Matt had to go fucking see this in theaters. Of so I had, to, I had to delay that recording and, and have that nice email with Alex saying, yeah, we got delayed a week because my dickhead fucking co-host decided to go see the <laughs> Shaw film. Uh, Damn, two years yeah. later, he still holds a grudge. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I'll say, you know, after seeing the dynamic here and, and you saying the director that's attached, I'm not going to say I'm looking forward to it, but uh, let's see how these guys do in their own film. Let's see how they do without Daddy Dom ruling everything. Let's see the shackles come off, so to, yeah. so to speak, and see what they can do. So, yeah, I'm kind of looking forward to watching. Yeah, and seeing if any other Fast and Furious franchise characters show up in it or yeah. old villains or anything like that. Yeah, definitely looking forward mm-hmm. to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely a lot of promise. I was excited for it, like I said. But yeah, I think it's going to be an interesting conversation. I'm very curious to to hear your guys' thoughts on the movie because I, I certainly have mine, but I've only seen it the one time in the theater. I think I got part of it on like one of the pay channels, like HBO or something caught like maybe 30 minutes just because i had nothing else going on but that'll be a good conversation next week it'll be our first time we've had two co-hosts actively watching a movie for the first time on this retro so we got one more pit stop before we get to number nine and who knows we'll be talking about fast 10 possibly by the time this comes out Uh, so boys pleasure as always and until next time the only thing that matters is who is behind the podcast thanks guys Which one of these things is a dollar? It says something about The Binge Aftertaste is produced by Garrett and Matt. It don't matter if you win by an inch or a mile. Winning's winning. Swinging on the green like I'm trying to get a paw for. You ain't sitting at my table, hope you starve. Hold on, we pushing my buttons as you starting on my car. Pressure making diamond, that pressure make me a star. Got a method to my madness to bring me down out of bar. People always asking me how I got this far. I'll have the tuna. No crust. No crust. So now we got cars flying in the air on some 007 type shit? This is not what we do. I feel like the sky is falling down. Ain't nobody here to play around. Push it to the edge, I won't back down. Cause it's time to go hard and go on. One way up, no way out. I give it all, all for the family. We stay up, no bailouts. Voice narration done by Adam. 
don't turn your back on family. Even when they do. Edited by Garrett. You know what DK stands for? Donkey Kong. Drift King. That could have been my forehead, man. No, that's not as big as your forehead. I used to say I lived my life a quarter mile at a time. And I think that's why we were brothers. Because you did too. tragedy i feel bad for his family i feel bad for everything that happened to him but at the same time i'm not going to say i miss him being in these movies awkward silence <laughs> well it's a moment it was a moment of silence <laughs> all right well charlie theron you know Matt, this is the first time we've ever reviewed her, correct? Most likely, yes. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I'd, I'd have to think, because I don't think... Not a lot of franchises, I don't think. No, no, no well, that's a good point. Yeah, I, I think you're right. Keep talking. I'm going to look through her filmography. Okay, all right. Um... And I don't want to be... Uh... I don't want to be... Um... What do you call it? Uh bad luck or whatever I, it's this is definitely a movie where your brother or sister is dating a new person you're just like why 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 are you, you can do going? better what well, you yeah. can do better why you why are you going with this fucking person come on alex we could do a whole podcast on that <laughs> right there dude I, yeah um, absolutely i'm not gonna say they've said the same thing to me but uh, yeah <laughs> sure yeah, absolutely you gotta stop talking yeah, to my husband absolutely. first of all <laughs> okay, we can all do this then. <laughs> Monday morning Moreno coming right up. Um coming soon. <laughs> and until next time, the only thing that matters is who is behind the podcast. Thanks guys. See you. <laughs> Jesus Christ. You've been listening to the Binge Media Podcast Network at BingeMedia.net. Support the show by donating on Patreon at Patreon.com slash BingeMedia. Subscribe to us on iTunes. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And don't forget... Shut up! I'm waiting.